was uh, maybe one kilometer away from the square. I ran like crazy. There was a huge crowd of protesters and they were hitting it with massive uh, hammer. That was Niels Ackerman, a Swiss photojournalist, describing the toppling of the Vesarabska Square Lenin statue in December of 2013. Ackerman was waiting for his food in a pizzeria in Kiev when he saw live footage of the crowds on TV and realized what was happening. He, as you just heard, took off for the square immediately. Niels Ackerman and Sebastian Gobert, a French journalist who we'll hear from in just a minute, are the co-creators of the book Looking for Lenin, which documents the fate of Ukraine's Lenin statues following Leninopad, or Leninfall. At the time of independence in 1991, Ukraine had over 5,000 Lenin statues, the greatest density of Lenins anywhere in the world. And while decommunization has occurred in fits and starts since independence, Euromaidan and the decommunization laws of 2015 greatly accelerated this process. Ackerman and Gobert's search took them across Ukraine to photograph the final resting places of these fallen Lenins and to collect testimony from Ukrainians they met along the way. The next morning, I was taking a taxi and uh, I saw no traces of the, the Lenin except the, the pedestal. And a few months later, it came back to my mind. I thought like it was impossible to destroy everything like that. So what happened to the rest of this Lenin statue? And I remember that the shock was big and that they were hitting hard, but they were only chopping tiny pieces. So there was probably like a big shapeless stuff somewhere, probably like in a rusty warehouse. And imagining this, like Lenin, this very luxurious statue being stored in a rusty warehouse, it felt like there was something interesting to do. And, and that's when we decided to start looking for this Lenin. And by looking for this Lenin, which was actually super complex to find, we found many other, and that's how the, the project started. The realization of this project took Gobert and Ackerman across Ukraine. From Slovyansk to Usherod, and from Odessa to Chernobyl, Ackerman and Gobert met Ukrainians from all walks of life. And what they discovered was that Ukrainians' view on Russia, Europe, and communism, which are often portrayed as being part of a clean-cut East-West divide, were in fact quite a bit more complex. The removal of Soviet statues and symbols was about more than geography. It was about identity, and thus was entangled with demographic trends and individual histories. As Sebastian explains, while living with the extraordinary circumstances of Euromaidan, the annexation of Crimea, and the war in the East, Ukrainians' understanding of Leninopad and decommunization is diverse. What we identified in the course of our research and in the course of our interviews is not exactly a geographical cleavage. It was much more complex than that. Uh, it was going along the lines of uh, generations. It was going along the lines of um, social economic um, categories. It was also very much connected to uh, political ideology. So we met people who very much supported uh, Leninopan and decommunization um, in the east of the country. We met people who were very opposed to this policy in, in, in the west of the country. What we saw and what we documented in, uh, in, in our project was that uh, in the absence of a coordinated answer to uh, Leninopad and to decommunization, and in the absence of answers, Ukrainians uh, came up with their own answers and, uh, and, and, and understood and made sense of, of Leninopad their own way. Meeting all these people and sharing their own experience, their own uh, relationship to this uh, to this past, showed 
so much of this diversity. And when you read the, the, these texts in the, in the book, if you approach them with an open mind, every single one makes sense. They are correct in what they say, but they all contradict each other. You will have a person very opposed to conservation of traces of the Soviet past next to someone who is reminding how uh, some great years of his or her life uh, happened at this moment uh, and how this statue was kind of like a, a, a focal point of these, uh, these moments. And even within one small town, you will have this, uh, this contrast. When you go down to the micro level, Really, like if you, you take a group of five people, you will have two for, two against, and one who doesn't know. And although the testimonies that Sebastian and Niels collected varied, the project is striking in that it comprises around 100 photographs of just one man, Vladimir Illich Lenin. And yet, every photo is different because of its statue's destiny. Some are standing up, others lay face down on the ground. Some are stored in museums, while others sit in warehouses or in gardens as nature slowly reclaims them. And though Ukraine's Lenin statues have fallen, any kind of unified understanding of Ukrainian identity or of Ukraine's past, present, and future seems less absolute. I think one of my, my favorites is um, located in Horbani, a small village uh, a bit on the east of Kiev, there they just repainted and fixed their their statue, which was a pretty special one. You had a sitting Lenin discussing with two young pioneers, and uh, the the villagers they were proud of their statue because of the law they had to take it out. At this moment, someone suggested to the mayor, yeah, you know, maybe we could hide it somewhere in the forest. So they took the statue, they put it somewhere in the forest, and then the local youngsters. They made a bench or two benches even and uh, a table, and it became kind of the the hotspot for uh, parties and uh, hangouts. He took us there. He showed us this Lenin, and and when he was showing it, he said like, yeah, you know, maybe it's good to to keep it because at the the pace things change in Ukraine, maybe at some point we will need uh, Lenin back. Mm-hmm. 